0: Good morning. morning. How's everyone today? Good. So good to see all of your smiling faces out here today. I'm excited to be here. It's always exciting to share from God's Word. It's an incredible privilege, one that I do not take lightly, and uh, I thank you for. But uh, you guys have a good week? Any celebrations this week? Nothing? I know there was a couple of birthdays. Yeah, we won't single people out. Maybe you celebrated National Prime Rib Day or National Gummy Bear Day? Penguin Day. Penguin Day? Penguin Penguin Day? World Penguin Day. See, and I love rockhopper penguins. That's my favorite animal at the zoo, the rockhopper penguin. If you don't know what I'm talking about, look it up. Let me ask you a question, though. How many times this past week did you find yourself saying goodbye? Either at the end of a phone conversation or maybe at the end of a face-to-face interaction, which personally I don't think happens enough these days with the advent of cell phone technology and texting. There's not enough face-to-face interaction. But that's just my opinion, and I could pontificate on good communication But I'm not going to do that this morning. But I do want you to think about how many times you said goodbye over this past week. It's a word that we use quite a bit. And if you were with us last week, you would know that I'm not a huge fan of that word. Because there is a certain finality about that word when you use it. You know, when you say goodbye, it can give the impression that this is it, right? Never going to see that person or thing ever again. The fact is, it is more appropriate to say, see you later. And in no instance is that more accurate than the scenario that we looked at last week. If you recall last week, we looked at Jesus' ascension. When he ascended back up into heaven. He was crucified, he was buried, he was raised back to life. And then we saw last week how he ascended back up into heaven. And he took his rightful place on the throne at the right hand of God the Father. And from there he rules and reigns over the cosmos. He had to return. He had to return because from there he intercedes for us with the Father. He had to return in order for him to send us the gift of the Holy Spirit. He had to return according to God's plan of redemption but the way we left it last week we know he's coming back we know he's coming back and we know that to be true because while yes the angels did tell us in verse 11 of acts chapter 1 but friends we hear that promise from the man himself we hear it directly from jesus So today, what I want to do is I want to cement in our minds the fact that Jesus didn't say goodbye when he ascended. No, he truly was saying, see you later. Now, to do that, I just want to plant a little seed in your brain. That sounds kind of scary, right? You guys are like, whoa, whoa, nobody's planting anything in my brain. Don't worry, we're not going to line people up and do, you know, injections of microchips or anything like that. What I want to do is I want to create a trigger. I want to create a trigger in your mind so that every time you say the word goodbye or you hear the word goodbye or you, you, you read the word goodbye, anytime you see that word, I just want you to smile. I want you to smile and remember the truth about the gospel of Jesus Christ and the fact that he said, I'll be back. Now I was gonna do that with my best Arnold Schwarzenegger, but I figured that you know I'd be back. And it wasn't very good. But anyway. The truth, the truth that we're gonna look at this morning is found. Any guesses where we might find that? In the Bible, thank you, amen, right? Because we here at Hope Church believe with all of our hearts that the Bible is God's holy and inspired word. It is inerrant, and in it we find truth. So the truth the truth that we're going to look at today is found in John chapter 14. Uh, we're going to look at verses 1 through 7. We are going to flip over to Second Peter chapter 3 a little bit later, because there Peter kind of helps us better understand uh, this return that Jesus talks about in John 14. But let's first look at John 14, and the, and the context for this passage may be somewhat familiar. It's a lot of what we've studied over the previous weeks in our series of messages on the life of Jesus, and what we read about today actually takes place not long after the triumphal entry. And we know that during this time, Jesus had been teaching really some pretty challenging and pretty difficult things. You know, we, we, we talked, or he talked in chapter 12, about the Son of Man being lifted up. And this is, this is something that speaks to the kind of death that Jesus would die. It speaks to his death on the cross. And then, beginning with chapter 13, Jesus is no longer in public. Jesus is now up in the upper room. He's with his disciples. And his focus shifts to teaching them. His focus shifts to preparing them to Continue the work that Jesus began. Could it be that these teachings are for us today as well? Are are we here to continue the work that Jesus began? Absolutely. Absolutely. So this is something that we need to pay attention to. Now we see that Jesus begins in chapter 13 up in the upper room with his disciples And he begins by washing their feet. And this is just an incredibly selfless act of service and of love because by this act, Jesus was setting an example of humility and servanthood, really servant leadership. Remember, Jesus came to what? To serve, not to be served, right? He came to give his life as a ransom for many. And then he tells his disciples, and of course he's telling us as well today, he says that that we should wash one another's feet. Now do you think Jesus was speaking literally there? I know a lot of people are saying, man, I hope not. Not into feet. And I get that. And I'll be honest with you, I don't believe that he was speaking literally here. Because the act of washing feet does not fulfill the spirit of this command. See, the intent of this parable and action, and this is exactly what that was, a parable and action, the purpose was to illustrate the principle of serving and caring for one another. And friends, that is what we are called to. We are called to care for one another. I believe that's part of our mission statement, right? Right? We are here to care for one another. And then later in chapter 13, in keeping with these difficult teachings that Jesus is sharing with the disciples, he tells them that one of them is going to betray him. He says, there's a traitor among you. And then, of course, at the end of chapter 13, Jesus predicts Peter's denial. And then we begin at verse 1 of chapter 14. Jesus says this. He says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. Now, it's interesting that Jesus would say that, right? Do not let your hearts be troubled. On the heels of all these difficult things that he's been telling the disciples. You know, one of them was a traitor. Peter was going to deny him. As a matter of fact, all of them were going to abandon him and deny him. And he tells them that he's going to be leaving them. The disciples seemingly had every reason to be troubled. But Jesus says, don't worry. He's telling them not to give in to a troubled heart. Believe in God. Believe in me, in Jesus. Put your trust firmly in God and firmly in me. Does this world ever give us any reason to be troubled? Man, all you got to do is look around. Maybe maybe turn the news on if you can stand it for very long. But let's look within each and every one of our lives. Are there things in your life that cause you trouble? Jesus says, don't be troubled. Believe in God the Father. Believe in me. And then what follows is, is a radical promise to those who do believe in Jesus, to those who do put their trust in Him. In verse 2, Jesus says, My Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go, listen, listen, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will. Come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Friends, there it is. There's the promise. That's how we know that it's not goodbye. That's how we know that it's see you later. Jesus says, yeah, I'm leaving, but I'm coming back. I'm coming back. I'm I'm, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I told you that it was to your advantage that I leave you and that's one of the reasons. I'm preparing a place for you in my Father's house in heaven and it is going to be glorious. I'm coming back because I want you to be with me. And that's you realize that's what makes heaven so glorious, right? It's not the streets of gold. It's not the, the pearl gates. Heaven is heaven. Heaven, friends, is glorious because Jesus is there. That's what makes heaven glorious. And Christ wants us there with him so badly that he was willing to come to this earth And allow himself to be tortured and killed and hung on a cross for us. For us, that we might be with him forever. Why? Why? Why would Jesus do that? Love, right? What does John 3.16 say? It says, For God so loved the world that he gave His one and only Son. Friends, God loves you. God loves me. And He wants you to believe in Him. He wants you to place your trust in Him. Because the rest of John 3.16 says that whoever believes in Him, whoever believes in Him, shall not perish, but have eternal life. An eternity spent in the love and the light of our Creator. Friends, that is love. That is love. That's that, that kind of love that we've, that we've explored in the past. We've used that word agape before, that incredibly sacrificial, self-giving love. That is love. God is Love, and he pours that love out. He lavishes that love out upon us. And then in verse 5, <laughs> love the disciples, Thomas says to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Now, at some level, you got to kind of hand it to Thomas for being honest about his confusion. But, you know, even when the disciples are kind of showing their ignorance, if you will, Jesus keeps teaching because what does he say? He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Notice, notice here that Jesus doesn't say that he would show us a way. He says, I am the way. Jesus doesn't promise to teach us about the truth. He says, I am the truth. Jesus doesn't say here that he's going to give us the secrets to life. He says, I am the life. And no one has access to God except through Jesus. And back then, this was a really shocking statement. It really was. But let's be honest, that statement still causes controversy today. Doesn't it? Because there's so many people out there that say, How How can this be the only way? How can this be the only way? You know, that's just not fair, right? That's not fair. If Jesus really loved us, he would have made many ways to heaven. And that's where we get... You know, this inclusivism that we see in the culture these days that says that, you know, all religions are valid. They all lead to God. They all lead to heaven. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. Friends, that's nonsense. Jesus tells us right here, I am the way to God. And look, I know that people say, you know, "Oh, that's bigoted. That's bigoted, and that is not love. But friends, I cannot think of any greater expression of love than that the God of creation, the God of the cosmos, chose to enter into this realm. He left the glory of heaven to join us and then to be tortured and killed for us. That is love. And the fact that He's coming back for us someday... for for us to spend eternity with him? How can you say that that's not love? God loves you. And he wants what's best for you. So if if you're wandering around and, and you're not knowing where you're going, Jesus is the way. If you're confused, really not knowing what to think, Jesus is the truth. And if, if you're dead inside, and you're not even sure you can go on, Jesus is the life. And no one can come to God except through Christ. In verse 7, Jesus says this, If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him, And have seen him. What's Jesus saying here? What's he saying here? You know me, you know God. See, that's why Jesus is the only way to God. He is the perfect representation of God. As a matter of fact, if we boil it all the way down, what Jesus is saying here is and in the following verses, which we don't have time to dig into today. But what Jesus is saying is, I am God. You know, Philip actually goes on later on to ask Jesus, you know, he says, he says, just show us the Father, show us the Father, and we'll believe. And what does Jesus say? He says, you want to see God, look at me. You want to get to know God? Get to know me. Jesus is God incarnate. Jesus is love. And that is that sacrificial, incredibly self-giving love that says, I'll be back. But you know, that does conjure up a number of questions in our minds. One of which we actually looked at last week we looked at when right right thank you <laughs> jeez i hope i didn't forget but but we heard jesus tell us in acts chapter 1 it's not for you to know the times or the dates the father has set by his own authority that is not something that we need to know no last week jesus taught us what we need And what we need to do in the meantime, what we need is what? Holy Spirit, right? And what we need to do in the meantime is what? Don't be afraid and go, right? It was very simple. Don't be afraid and go. But, you know, people are going to ask other questions like, you know, is he really coming back? And if he is coming, you know, where's he at? Okay, I get it. You know, God loves me. But why hasn't he come back yet? I mean, wouldn't that, wouldn't that just save us all a lot of suffering and a lot of, a lot of grief? You look at what's happening in the world today, man, it looks like it's out of control, right? There's a war going on. There's rumors of wars. There's natural disasters. There's death. There's sickness. You know, why doesn't he just come and get it over with? Well, believe it or not, friends, that all has to do with love as well. Let me explain. Let's flip over quickly to 2 Peter chapter 3. Um, we don't have a lot of time to dig into this, so what we're going to do is we're going to pull a few verses out here and there because that is going to help us to understand better the timing of Jesus' return. Now, in this particular passage, Peter addresses those who... Question the return of Jesus. He refers to them as scoffers. Now, we as Christians are not necessarily scoffers. But in verse 4, Peter writes this He says, They will say, Where is this coming he promised? And let's be honest, you know, this is a question that we really have to address. Because Christians have been talking about the return of Jesus for 2,000 years. And he still hasn't come back yet. So where is he? What's he doing? Why hasn't he come back to rescue his people? Many of whom are are, are suffering greatly. Well, if we drop down to verse 8, we can begin to understand. It says there, But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. And, and really what Peter's doing here is he's reminding us that God does not see things the way that we do. If you recall, in our study of the attributes of God, we learned that God exists outside of time and space. God is not bound by time as we understand it. Time is a succession of moments. God exists outside of time. As a matter of fact, He created time. Poof, doesn't that just blow your mind? Isn't that just incredible? Don't we serve an amazing God? Amen. So He exists outside of time, and, 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 and God sees time from the very beginning of creation to the absolute end of the age. He sees that all in one instance, he sees everything like a snapshot. Again, mind blown. Bottom line is Peter goes on to say in verse 9, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. No, the truth is, friends, that God will keep his promise and he will do it according to his Timing. See, we cannot look at God's timing based on our perspective. Our perspective is skewed. We are bound by time. We are bound by that succession of moments. God does not see things the way we do. So any perceived delay on our part is due to His love. Absolutely. Absolutely. Does that make sense? Listen to what Peter says at the end of verse 9. He says, instead, meaning instead of being slow in keeping his promise, instead he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And here we get, we get this, this glimpse into, into God's glorious and incredibly generous heart for us. See, the reason Jesus hasn't returned yet is that he wants all to come to repentance. He wants everyone to have the opportunity to accept Jesus as the way. And remember, Jesus is the only way. And God knows that there's some out there that need a little more time. There's there's still lost sheep out there that are not safely in the fold. There's still prodigal sons and daughters out there wandering the earth. And remember, it is our job, right, to continue the work that Jesus began, continue to share the truth about salvation. I remind you of John 3.16 again that says, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Life. Make no mistake, friends, Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. He said he would. And in the final discourse in the Gospel of Matthew, the discourse that's referred to as the, the discourse on the end times, Jesus teaches there using parables. And we're not going to dig into these parables. They probably would make a great sermon series sometime. But each one of those parables that Jesus tells describes the end times when he returns. And Jesus makes it really clear at that point. There's only two options. Either you've placed your trust in Christ for your salvation Or you haven't. You've either accepted Jesus, the only way to God, or you've rejected him. It really boils down to this, friends. Are you going to spend eternity basking in the amazing love of the one that created you, the one that gave everything for you? Or are you going to be separated forever in the darkness of hell? Just being honest, friends, it's that simple. It's yes to Jesus' sacrifice or it's no. See, God loves you. Each and every one of you. He loves us. Me. Believe it or not, He loves me too. And He wants to spend eternity with us. That's the truth. That's the gospel. And the gospel, friends, is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. He's coming back. That's the truth. Do you believe in Jesus? Have you placed your trust in him? Friend, if you have not done that yet, I pray. I pray that you would do it today. Do not wait. Do not wait. Give your life to Christ. He's waiting. He loves you and he wants to spend eternity with you. And if you have given your life to Christ, friends, let's fix our eyes on that glorious day that we see him face to face, the day that Jesus returns. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you and we thank you so much, Lord, for the truth of the gospel. And the truth of the gospel is that you came and died for our sins. You rose to give us life. You ascended because you had to to take your rightful place. But Lord, we thank you so much that you are coming back. And the hope that we have for all eternity, that we will spend eternity with you our God, our Savior, our Creator. We thank you, Lord, so much for that. We ask for your blessing. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.